0: Hello, this is Pastor Ned Suffern of Redeemer Reformed Presbyterian Church in Queensbury, New York. and I just wanted to share with uh, those who attend our church that we miss you, Lois and I miss you and are longing for fellowship with you. And we look for the day when we will return together for corporate worship and seeing you during the week as we always have. Until then, we trust in the Lord Jesus to help us through this time of transition, and I wanted to welcome you to this uh, time of opening up the Word together, reading it and studying it, and uh, you're invited to follow along in your Bible. We welcome all who may be hearing this message who are not part of our congregation. The scripture is from 2 Timothy 1. 1 beginning of verse 8 it's a continuation of a series that we have on discipleship verse 8 therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our lord nor of me his prisoner but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of god who has saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works But according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. Let us pray. O Lord, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. This passage begins, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Sharing and suffering for the gospel is not a big selling point for Christianity, Most people aren't out there in their daily lives just looking for another way to suffer. And when we as a nation and as a world are suffering already due to COVID-19, are we really looking for another way to suffer for the gospel? It isn't the best lead for a sermon if you aim to keep your audience I uh, tend to turn off those investment gurus on television or talking about the stock market crash. Real, I don't want to hear any more about that. I think I'll change the channel. I was sitting in an auto shop in Hudson Falls talking to a man who lives uh, off West Mountain Road, and he just said, basically, I'm just turning off the TV. I, I don't know who to believe, and there just seemed to be hurling things at each other left to right and right to left. And I just want to say, please don't change the channel today. Don't tune me out for this is a very important message from God's Word. Don't be ashamed of suffering for the gospel. Innumerable Christians through the ages have suffered for the sake of preaching and living out the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. We as a community are suffering. Many in our community are on the front lines like doctors and nurses and uh, EMTs and others are suffering in other ways through isolation. It could strike near and severe, but it is my joy and privilege in the midst of that to declare that the gospel brings good news in the midst of fear. Our hope is in Christ for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him Until that day, there is a future with Christ. So let's consider this passage in three parts. Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, verses 8 through 10. Do not be ashamed of the Lord's prisoner, verses 8 and 11. And do not be ashamed to put your confidence in Christ and experience relationship with him in the midst of suffering. In this introduction, I want to point out that there are connections between suffering and being not ashamed. There are two of them in verse 8 and one in verse 12. In verse 8, the first is that we are meant not to be ashamed, and that can lead to suffering. Not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. The second is we are not to be ashamed of his prisoner. That's the second thing we are not meant to be ashamed of that can lead to to suffering and we're going to consider how that applies today. And then in verse 12 third we are meant not to be ashamed and that can lead to suffering if we put our total confidence in Christ. So first don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. That's a better translation than of our Lord. This is what is about jesus his life his work the gospel and you see here an affirmation that we are to share in with me in the sufferings for the gospel and we have the neg- the negation not being ashamed the chief way we share in sufferings is not being ashamed of Christ. We, we are in union with him. We are saved. We are justified by our connection to him. And we are also having a connection to him and that we are not greater than our master, that we identify with his sufferings in this earthly discipleship, which we are pursuing If we are not willing to suffer, we'll have the tendency to be ashamed of the gospel, to uh, clam up in front of our workmates, fellow students, and neighbors. We'll go with the flow, whether that includes immoral behavior, worldly entertainment, man-centered rather than God-centered thinking, which is against the gospel. On the other hand, we are not ashamed when we are willing to suffer in the culture, when we refuse to accommodate God's truth to the ways of the world. This is what Paul did when he himself was uh, not compromising and was thrown into the Mamertine prison in the late 60s AD, which is the very place from which Paul wrote this letter. And today, believers in Muslim countries like Afghanistan and Somalia, communist countries like North Korea, and in Hindu countries like India, Christians are dying for their faith. Now, here in North America, we are shamed when we are shut up, when we don't open our mouths, when we don't admit to being a believer at the break room, in the classroom, on the hiking uh, trail, in the Adirondacks, when somebody makes a cutting remark about Christ or criticizes a Christian belief concerning salvation and heaven and hell— And even during the COVID-19 pandemic, we can shut up when we hear somebody's problems and and we really want to bring them a a spiritual answer, a spiritual witness. But we're afraid to bring up the name of Jesus. We're we're afraid to get specific about how to know God. A big part of our suffering as believers is second-guessing of motives sometimes disdain for our views simply because we believe that there's one true and living god Are we going to actually say, I'm thankful for this God. I'm thankful for this Savior. And I'm thankful I can share his love with you. The Bible is God's love letter to his people. And we need to approach it that way. That even when it says tough things, the goal is to bring people into a grace-filled relationship with God. The love that we don't deserve, but that he pours out nevertheless. Now, Jesus himself pointed to the day when he would come again in glory. And it says in Mark 8, verse 38, for whoever is ashamed of me and my word in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the son of man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. See, there's a lot at stake in our discipleship. Are we going to be ashamed And then Jesus is ashamed of us, or will we stand and identify with Jesus throughout our whole earthly course of life? Before the COVID-19 pandemic hit, we as elders decided to focus on discipleship this spring and summer following Christ. And little did we know as elders that our discipleship, our sincere following of Jesus would be so much put to the test. It's not just a sermon series, but it is walking and following Jesus in our daily lives in tough times. So today I call you to speak on the phone to your friends, speak to your loved ones about Christ. How is Jesus helping you day by day? Help others to be meeting Jesus at critical times in their life. Maybe you'll send them an email. Maybe maybe you'll send them a link to this message if you think it might help them. And realize that there's specific doctrine which is associated with this. It says in verse 9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. You see, at the end of verse 8, there's the power of God that's mentioned. It's the power to change life. It's the Holy Spirit power talked about in Acts one eight that you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This person of the Trinity is which that which allows us to be able to bear up under sufferings which are mentioned in verse eight. But it is also the power that saves us and calls us with a holy calling. You know. There are times when we think that we can do it all. We, we think that we can make ourselves holy, but actually God is the one who gives us the gift of sanctification. He calls us to work alongside of him, but he is the grace-filled person, the Holy Spirit who brings that holiness into our lives. And when it comes to our first salvation, It's not according to our works at all. But according to his own purpose and grace, we are justified only by God's work. The story of our day, of our technology, of our culture is that we're sufficient. We can do it all. But one of the good things, if I dare say that about a terrible pandemic, which is taking lives, is that we are being shown we are not sufficient That we cannot do it all. That there aren't enough ventilators to go around. There's no vaccine yet. There's no approved medication that has been subjected to double-blind scientific testing. There could be... Unemployment up to the 30% rate. These are days in which we see the short sidedness of the attitude that we can handle things. Paul thought he could do it all at one point in his life. He was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. That is who he was. And then he could do it all with regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. This is Philippians 3 five through six. Paul had his list. What's on your list? Do you think that who you are and what you can do can set you up to face whatever life will throw your way? Consider your list, things you might be trusting in, things like giving to a charity, a Being a responsible mother or father, Uh, you're honest on your drive, You, you, you pay it forward at the checkout line, you're nice to people. Well, these are great things, I'm glad for them, but they won't save you. As Paul writes, He says, whatever was to my profit, I consider them lost for the sake of Christ. In Philippians 3.9, if you come to God with all your sufficiency, all the things you can do, your list, then there's no room in your hands to grasp Christ in faith. To know Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. If you're going to be saved, you need to leave your sufficiencies aside and claim Christ, confess your sin, realize you can't deal with your guilt, and trust in him, be justified, counted righteous in him. This is what Paul did. This is what many of our congregation have done. I I would believe all of you. I would pray all of you that you've trusted in Christ. And as Elder Pilmer says, sometimes we just got to face what COVID-19 is showing us. He wrote in an email, this whole situation should remind us all of where and with whom our true hope lies. Only he knows the number of our days and it is all ultimately in his powerful and loving hands. The whole situation is a teachable moment for God to remind us and then to present hope to others. So as we consider that hope, remember this purpose and grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. In other words, our life has meaning. It's been planned out. It has a purpose. And he wants us to step into that purpose. And our life also is based on the historical revelation of Christ. And verse 10, it's it's revealed here, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He appeared in space and time. He has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel in his life, in his death. His resurrection he has brought us life and immortal life with him in the new heaven and earth new earth through the gospel this is something that means that the death we see reported in the press the death we could face ourselves has been abolished what does that mean it's it means it's of no effect it, it's like a touchdown in a football game that's called back because of a penalty. It's a traffic ticket, which is not signed by the officer. It's a sickness that's completed, completely healed. And this death is of no effect because it has been emptied of the curse after death where there is punishment if we are not trusting in Christ. But if we are trusting in Christ, there is everlasting glory with God. Many are worried about COVID-19. Trust in Jesus. Jesus, and your worry can be ended. And you'll realize your destiny is eternal bliss, life and immortality brought to you in the new heaven and the new earth. When our last question of our life, our death is settled in Christ, it helps us deal with all the perplexity and things that are going on day by day. The second point of the sermon is, don't be ashamed of me, the Lord's prisoner, he writes in verse eight, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. The elders of Redeemer Church don't have the apostolic authority of Christ, but we do preach and we do teach. So this verse carries over to today. The thought may, cro- may have crossed the minds of believers back in Paul and Timothy's day when they heard of Paul locked up in one of the worst prisons in ancient history, the Mamertine prison in Rome. They may wonder, is this the real deal? If this is the treatment that Christ apostles get, count me out, or, or I'll be a believer, but a, a much lower level of commitment is, is my game plan. I don't want that to happen to me. Well, to not be ashamed of Paul means that we are willing to share in the sufferings. And that means to share in the sufferings of leadership. The leaders themselves, the deacons and the elders have a particular call, a particular burden of leadership to stand before the congregation as a model for them. And we're not asking everyone to carry the responsibilities and burdens associated with leadership, but you're meant to identify with them, meaning that we're in this together. For Paul, that meant unity in the mission, not seeing people drift away when things got tough, that Christians would be there with Paul when he was suffering, that they would stand with him, and we see in chapter 4 of this letter, 2 Timothy, in verses 9 and 10 of chapter 4, be diligent and come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. There were others who left for other reasons, but then he goes on to say in verse 11, only Luke is with me. Paul felt that Demas was bailing out. He was loving the world, and he took it personally. Only Luke is with me. And then in verse 16, he writes, at my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. One of the ways that you could become ashamed of leaders during COVID-19 is that you could leave. You could forsake the session, the leaders of the church, and the pastor who's preaching to you now. What are some of the ways you could leave? You're already in your home, so what am I talking about? Well, I mean, you could forget the importance of observing the Christian Sabbath Sunday as a different day, setting it apart for worship. You could neglect to use the home worship guide, which is provided to you every week. You could leave by forgetting to give tithes and offerings to the work here. That would be an attitude toward the church, which is transactional rather than relational. You see, what motivates us to give is our relationship to God, our love for him. And we give to the church because we believe we are in covenant relationship with God through the church, that that we are fed and nurtured through the church. And we're bringing our first fruits, our tithes and our offerings to God in good times and bad, so that the gospel may go forth here and around the world. But on the other hand, to not be ashamed is not merely an inner attitude of the heart, it's the actions that go with it. To not be ashamed is to worship together with your family on the Lord's day, In the home, using the home worship guide while we cannot worship together at 548 Luzerne Road, to not be ashamed of your leaders is to pray for the session and seek as you are able in good conscience to support the decisions of the session. When it comes to the form of worship and the forms of fellowship and Bible teaching, we're going to be seeking to establish as a session in this very difficult time of separation realizing that safety and proper theology are being considered by the elders. To not be ashamed of your leaders is to continue to support the church with tithes and offerings. To not be ashamed is to continue to be the church, to call people up in the church using that PDF guide of our church directory which you received last week to encourage one another in the faith to pray for people as you receive the prayer guide specifically prepared a daily guide with one member of the church prayed for every day and praying for our missionaries that will mean the world to us as leaders to know that you are committed to one another and to christ and specifically, as we move on to verse 11, it says, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. This is the gospel to which he was appointed. He was called to be a preacher. Now, preaching was not Paul's most noted accomplishment. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 10, in verse 11, it, it, people talked about him. It says, let us such a person consider this. Uh, Actually, in verse 10, for his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Basically, they're saying he's not a very good preacher. And Paul, in response to this, says, well, let such a person consider this, that what we are in word by letters when we are absent, such we will also be indeed when we are present. And then in verse 13, we, however, will not boast upon beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. In other words, Paul is saying, hey, I'm an apostle. I was appointed that over you. Now, we're no apostles here, but we as elders have been called to lead you. As teaching elder of our RRPC, I've been called to preach God's word to the members of Redeemer Reformed Presbyterian Church in Queensbury. And I trust you will listen. I don't claim my strength. I claim my weakness in Christ. I claim that in him, my weakness is made strong, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit is with me and filling me that I could effectively present God's word to you. Second, Paul was an apostle. This unique apostolic authority allowed him to write down God's word as it was given to him by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and let us never be ashamed of that written word. In 2 Thessalonians 2:15, it was pointed out in the Table Talk magazine a few days ago So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. That tradition which is spoken of here is not the false traditions of the Pharisees, but the true traditions of the gospel. It's that which is passed down from Jesus to Paul to his hearers. And it is a sound expression of doctrine. And you've heard some of that in the first point of this sermon today. And that doctrine is what settles us. In fact, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2, it means that when we cling to this, we are not shaken in mind or alarmed. When things are falling apart due to COVID-19, sometimes we seek stability in distraction. Or we seek stability in doing things the world tells us to do. We cheer ourselves up with man-made remedies, but I'm suggesting you the best way not to be shaken in mind or alarmed is to return to Christ, return to sound doctrine about Christ. Realize that you are never saved by your works anyway. Everything that is uh, eternal and poor is settled with God already. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How we not also, along with him, graciously give us all things. Romans eight thirty two. Focus outside of yourself upon Christ. For every one look at yourself, and every five looks at your problems. Take a hundred looks at Jesus, and He is also revealed here, verse eleven, as the teacher of the Gentiles. This was. Paul's particular calling as an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. He had a call to reach the ones who had no relationship with God in the Old Testament, those being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, Ephesians 2.12, meant that Paul had a particular calling to reach those who were lost without knowledge of the Bible, without a covenantal relationship through the centuries, people who believed upon God, like their forefather Abraham did. And today, this burden should be on our heart. How can we bring the gospel to people who don't know the Bible, who don't know the gospel? How can we share Christ with them? On the telephone, perhaps. Reading a scripture passage to them. Electronically distributing sermons from Ligonier's website, or perhaps this sermon, if you're blessed by it. How can we share the gospel? We could actually mail a scripture portion of the gospel of John from the pocket testament league to someone. And and if you call me up or just send me a text and say, hey, I want to use one of those. I want to share it with my loved one, my relative, my friend, my workmate. Just call me and I'll mail you two or three. Tell me how many you want and I'll put them in the mail. This is a strategic moment. We should not miss it. We're asking God to spread his gospel in difficult times. And to we're, we're even praying for a revival. We're asking God to change this country, change our state, change our city, change us. And Paul said, even in difficult times when he was chained in prison and a previous imprisonment when he wrote the book of Philippians, chapter one, verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. When Paul was chained up, that inspired others to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. When we are bound by certain limitations, that means that we, all of us, need together to share the word of God more courageously, fearlessly. It is for such a day as this that we have called to be a believer and A witness for Christ. The third point of the sermon is found in verse twelve. Do not be ashamed to put your confidence in Christ. In the end, it means that we're willing to stake it all on the cross, stake it all on Jesus, stake it all on our relationship to him. We're ready to stake our past, our present, and our future on Jesus and trust him to keep everything that we give to him and redeem it at the final day when he comes again in glory. Our past is not perfect. We have sinned. We've made mistakes in our past. Sometimes we live in a shadow of that, especially when things get bad in our everyday life. It comes back to haunt us. But we need to take those things from our past and give them to God and trust they have been cast already through justification into the inestimable love of God, the ocean of his love. We take responsibility now to make amends, to seek reconciliation, to promote healing and relationships if we've contributed to hurt. But we give the guilt over to Christ and we say, that's yours. You took that at the cross and I thank and I praise you for that, Jesus. We trust God for our present, for the suffering we're going through right now. He says in verse 12 for this reason, I also suffer these things. He's suffering right then. Whatever you're going through right now, economic hardship, sickness, maybe you're a victim of COVID 19. Maybe there's relational stress in the home. Man, it's everybody's home. Wow. You put that in Jesus' hands. And you trust him to keep that situation safe in his hands. He will come through for you. Look to him right now for what you're facing now and put your future into his hands. Maybe you're not sick, but you're really worried. You're scared. Trust him for your future in this life and the next. I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep what I've commanded, committed to him until that day. Don't be ashamed, for Christ will come through on his blessings. He will take you from this sin-sick world and bring you to a better place. That's not just a cliche you say at a funeral home. It's a real thing. The better place is the new heaven and the new earth where there is no more curse. But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. Revelation 22.3. Revelation 21.4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. You'll suffer for it. Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, who he is and what he teaches us in his word. Don't be ashamed of leaders in your church who are trying to proclaim the gospel. And, And you may suffer for that. Don't be ashamed of Christ who is able to keep what you have committed to him until that day. Things are going to get better now. I believe that. There's a quote by Paul Gerhardt, a great Reformation leader in the post-Reformation period, actually, not during the Reformation. It was, it was in the early 1600s. He, he went through a plague in 1627 when he was in high school. And he, he, he survived that plague and he went on to serve as a pastor and a hymn writer. Paul Gerhardt, and here's what he says. All my life I still have found, and I will forget it never. Every sorrow hath its bound, and no cross endures forever, unquote. See, he lived through a plague, and he knew it passed. He knew that sorrow was going to end. It has its bound. I believe we're going to see better days I trust here on this age in this world COVID-19 will not last forever. Things are going to get better. No cross endures forever. But after that there will be other sufferings, okay? Other trials. But there is a day coming when suffering will end forever. It is that day And he comes again in glory. And we have committed everything to him until that day. And on that day, we will suffer no more forever. Oh, gracious God, bless us. Help us to hear your gospel and not be ashamed of you, O oh Christ. Not be ashamed of our church. And not be ashamed of the gospel message, the testimony about Jesus. We love you, and we want to serve you as disciples. In Jesus' name, amen.